Welcome to the new model of podcasting. Here, we like segments that create their own follow-ups. Oh, perfect. It's like uh, the six-sided star that has new stars David. at the intersection of every point. And the oh, you're create you're talking no, yeah, you're talking about a tesseract. Oh, like the Bechdel test. You're, ta- <laughs> you're talking about a no. I think they're called tesseracts. A tesseract is like a, a non-Euclidean fractal object, but this fractals. Is a fractal. yes. Fractals. A. I want to become a bus guy. Oh man, no, not a busker. Do it. No, sorry. I can only gr- can only turn people into buskers. Oh, shit. <laughs> I thought that's what, what you... I was what a, so excited because I was like, finally, a, a chance to use this power. What a shitty genie. You can only turn people into fallback careers. That's my genie that power. A, investment I, banker? Here we go. Oh, you can only turn people into the careers they could have had but didn't want. I want to be a rock star. Barber, here we go. <laughs> Hey, I, I think it'd be really great if I could, like, uh, you know, solve some massive world... Pro- I'd like, I'd like if at all possible, to cure cancer. Here you go, man, regional manager of Dollar General pays more than you think. Yeah. And then you do it, it's like, oh, it's okay. <laughs> you know a regional manager for Dollar General makes, like, almost $200,000 a year? I was gonna guess. Do you know how much things he could buy from Dollar General <laughs> with that buy, much? He could probably buy multiple Dollar Generals with that much. He could buy so many of those tiny empanadas. 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 Jesus Christ. They've detonated an EMP in the atmosphere. An empanada? It stands for empanada. <laughs> sir, sir, we're picking up readings of, of an EMP. <laughs> What? An electromagnetic pulse? No, you idiot! An empanada! (laughs) And then there's just a massive empanada over New York City that explodes. All the lights turn (laughs) off. But it's a Dollar General one, so only like a little bit of filling. (laughs) Only a a tiny amount of potato. But still, all all the lights come out and then like a Huey crashes and people have to like fight off looters. I forget the plot of Modern Warfare 2. It's a shame Valve beat him to the touch. To the to the touch <laughs> with uh, Counter Strike. Yeah, terrorist Counter actions. Counter Strike tells the most compelling modern war story. You're dead forever. <laughs> I I like to think beat him to the touch is a pacifist <laughs> way of saying beat him to the punch. Yeah, it's like uh, feed two birds with one scone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like oh, I don't mean to jump the puddle, jump the gun, jump the uh, rope. Yeah. Uh, oh, jump the rope. Man, pacifists suck. <laughs> Dropping bits is important, but never do it ever. <laughs> Dropping bits is important, but never do it again. <laughs> Dropping bits is important, but if you do it, you die. Zero credits. I'm the bad type. Make your mama sad type. Make your girlfriend mad type. Might seduce your dad type. I'm the bad guy, duh.
And welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Billy Eilish. And I'm And together we're Henry and John coming at you to mix it up and throw that cultural zeitgeist out the window and still talk about it at the same GD time. Chop up the time ghost and throw it out the window. John. Yes. I've noticed something in my adult age. I've, I've noticed something working an office job, being graduated from all things academic and the lifestyle that carries. You know what I've noticed, John? What is it? I used to wait for things to happen. Uh-huh. Because things would happen. You can't just go to school ad infinitum. Something different happens. A test, an event, a football game, a break, a holiday. All of these things would happen to you day to day, and you wouldn't have to do anything to make them happen. They just happened. Yeah. And going to work, you know what doesn't happen? Things. Anything. It's the same. It's like I drive into work and I park in my spot every day. And it's a different spot. It's not the same spot. But I park in the same, like, the same area every day. And I look at the building and I'm like, wow, nothing happened. The building's still here. Mm-hmm. It's not on fire. An earthquake didn't swallow it whole. And all the people in the building, they're going to be there. It's monotonous. Yeah. And you know what else was monotonous, John? What? The way we start this podcast. Oh, is it? I don't know. I feel like if I have to be the person, the agent of change in my own life, Mm -hmm. I should mix it up in the things that I do. So that's why I mixed up the intro this week. I appreciated it. It will never happen again. I uh, I do totally agree though with the uh, with the making things happen because the primary benefit the primary utility of school is that it's a structured program in which it forces you to meet people and experience things and once school is over that immediately like it's not a slow decline into what school offered you versus what real life does it just immediately stops. And that's why a lot of people enter a severe months-long depression upon graduation, sometimes years-long. Years-long depression, and it's one of these things where I woke up and realized, hey, nothing's happening. It's the same, it's literally the same week after week. Mm -hmm. And that's sad, and I'm sad. You have to, you have to be the principal. You have to be the teacher. You have to make things happen. Give yourself breaks, give yourself proms, give yourself footballs. How do I give myself a prom? Uh, I don't know, dance? <laughs> just just take a day off and dance? <laughs> it would be so funny. 140 episodes into this podcast, if I ask you a question and you start just giving me platitudes, it's like, how do I give, throw my own prom? And you're just like, dance like no one's watching. <laughs> yeah, I, I, changed from my, I changed from how I usually am to being like a positive, like, blow smoke up your ass kind of person. Yeah, like a Hallmark greeting card of a person. Now, speaking of uh, asses... And monotony. It's the same beer. It's the same beer that we've drank for the past... Cu- Look at that bubble. Oh, it's gone. It is uh, Hans Pils, the beer we've been drinking f- for as long as I can remember. I got married in February. Mm. It is... It is. We are solidly into June now. Yeah. Four months of this shit. Well, it's not a bad beer. It's just... Not the beer that I would choose if I had a gun. I'd still wait. So is the assumption if you had a gun that you could get whatever beer you wanted? If you have a gun, you can just go to the store, 
and pay for any beer you want. What about roughly $20? If you have roughly $20, you get Hans Pills. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. You need the gun. You need the gun to get different to beer. go to the store to pay for it without taking the gun out. And they want to take our guns away. I know. They want us to... You know, it's all big, big Hans Pills. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's all big Hans Pills. Big real ale brewing company. Only in Texas, by the way. Oh, cool. I did not know that. I've been having a lot of Texas thoughts lately. I wonder if it's because you moved to Texas like two years ago. Maybe something to do with that. Uh, I don't know if you had anything immediately to talk about. But oh, tons. I, I had an experience that one might say could only happen in the great state of Texas. The Lone Star State, they call it. The Snake's Boot. I believe is what it's been called. The Rattler. The uh, Long Hog. (laughs) (laughs) The Multitude of Worlds State. Yeah, the entire universe. Walt Whitman, they call it. (laughs) They call it the the big old Walt Whitman. The Billie Eilish of states. (laughs) All my Texas live in... (laughs) Shit. (laughs) All of my Texas lives in Texas. All... All of my Texas lives in Texas. Stential fears. <laughs> so you had this big old Texas grand adventure? I did. And it's something that uh, only exists in Austin. And that is, of course, I went to the one, the only, the icon, the Party World Wrestling. Oh, you went to Party World Wrestling. Yes, I went to a, a small, very... Uh, hyper-local wrestling federation, uh, which is held, it seems like roughly every two months to every quarter, depending on funding. Okay. And it is a wrestling event like none other, other than like maybe Hood Slam in California, which is a very similar vibe. Uh, but this is less extreme than something like Hood Slam. So I just want to kind of open the floor. There's a lot to talk about. As far as Party World Wrestling goes. But I feel like this is an event everybody wants to go. I was I was privileged enough to get in for free because it's a free event. Uh, <laughs> but you had the honor yeah, of getting in for free because everyone else got also in yeah, for free. We all, the, all the hundreds of us had the great honor of getting in for free. Now, I did see a little uh, piccolo on your Instagram And it seemed like you were very far back. So it seemed at the time that I was far back because I'll level with you. I was. So the venue, it takes place at Fourth Tap Brewing. That sounds like a brewery. It is a brewery. And it takes place seemingly in the warehouse where there is no air conditioning and it's very hot and dark and people aren't wearing a lot of clothes. And when it started, we got there like 20 minutes late. I got there 20 minutes late. I was meeting other people, but they ditched. But I met someone else that I knew. There you go. Uh, I got there about 20 minutes late, and it was packed. Like, packed to a ludicrous degree. And then I did the classic. I did what I like to call the John move, which is you go to the nearest uh, purveyor of open-topped alcoholic beverages. Uh, In this case, they were Dixie cups full of beer. You get two beers, 
You're both. You're gonna drink both of them. Yeah, that's a little spoiler. But you get two beers because it looks like you're bringing a beer to someone, and then you snake your way through the crowd to find kind of an empty spot, and then you start sipping on your beers because people kind of like empathize with you because you're bringing a beer to someone else. Yeah, like, this guy's all right. He's got two beers. I've suffered from that policy you have. Now, it the thing is, I will never, I never interfere with someone's good time. I always go some. Pl- I'm not going to muscle someone out of where they are, but I'll just find a good spot. Well, I just want to remind you of a time where you did that. You did that thing that you do. You bought the two beers. They were both Bud Lights. Oh yeah, you're right. And halfway through one of them, you were like, "I don't want to drink the second. Henry, help! <laughs> oh, you're right. Was that uh? That was uh, South by. That was South yeah, by. That was, South that was by. Nathaniel Radcliffe and his uh, night sweats. Yeah, it was uh, Daniel Radcliffe and his uh, nightmares. It's it's Nathaniel. It it is Radcliffe. Yeah, hear what you want to hear, John. You did say it correctly, but mm-hmm. no, I I Nathan Rad. All uh, right, so you did the you pulled I did that the maneuver, and that was after I taken the Instagram story thing, and I was much closer. Uh, no, as far as, you know the venue, but the most important thing is, like, what the wrestling event is about. Yeah, are, are these, like, connecting plot lines? Are these all new faces? What, what, what's, do they, do they have, like, a narration? What's happening here? So, it's highly narrative. So, this is something that mm-hmm. I believe Party World Wrestling gets the most of its criticism from, like, actual wrestling fans for, is that it's very narrative-focused. Let me hit you with the narrative, because it's a little both. It's a little bit of both of the two things that you said. It is an interconnected narrative. So, uh, this event, Party World Wrestling Bioslam, uh, takes place inside of uh, an all-knowing, lifelike snake god called Mother Worm. Okay. And during the proceedings, if you ever hear someone say, Hail Mother Worm, you must put your hands on a triangle and everyone in the crowd screams, Hail Mother Worm, three times. That's so amazing. you're inside of Mother Worm. Mother Worm is, of course, uh, the god of the Party World Wrestling universe. You're inside of Mother Worm because Mother Worm has gotten sick and no one knows why. And oh, the only no. way to cure her of her malady is to visit all of her organs and to figure out what's wrong. So the wrestling matches are between organs? You know, okay. So the first match, the one that I got there during the middle of, uh, it was someone against uh, the bladder. Okay. Someone uh, was dressed as the bladder and they had a... I did not see most of this wrestling match. I believe they defeated the bladder by blasting them in the face with soda. Uh, I I don't entirely remember. But later we went to things like the stomach, where of course you had uh, Ken Bones, who is a famously undecided voter uh, from a CNN town hall, who has died in the past and come back as a skeleton. His name is Ken Bones. He is a skeleton man dressed like Ken Bone. Okay, so it's not the actual Ken Bones. No, it is. For a a second there I thought... His fame had, like, you know, <laughs> risen and then crashed so far down that he's appearing at free wrestling events in Austin. So, uh, Ken Bones came out. Ken Bones was fighting someone I forget who. There was a lot going on. Like a joint? No, organs, you said. So, the yeah. ears. Yeah. So, no, it wasn't fighting another organ. 
Oh, it was another. He was the bones. Of a the lot worm. of other wrestlers went into Mother Worm as well to help solve her problems. What? But uh, w- when Ken Bones was fighting, Ken Bones never even got a chance to land the first blow because, as you might imagine, like you've read a lot of fiction, so you know that you know what happened. What happened was the lights went out. And then someone ran into the ring, and of course it was Bench Horse, the horse who can bench. And he ripped Ken Bones' spine out and used it to attack the other wrestler. And eventually, of course, uh, Bench Horse lost and paraded through the crowd, knocking beers out of people's hands. Uh, And uh, he touched me and he was real sweaty. Bench Horse, the horse who can bench. I, you know... I didn't realize all of my classic favorites were going to be here. Oh, all of your favorite wrestlers are here. Uh, one of my favorite things about this event is there was a Twitch stream. There's a VOD you can watch. Oh, boy, uh, will I. But the people who put it on did a really good job of like, introducing wrestlers with a Chiron, like a graphic at the bottom showing their name. How do they do that in real life? Uh, on projectors in the back. Oh, okay. But they, uh, they put on Chirons, and just the people running this have a sense of humor that so closely aligns with mine. Because when Bench Horse came out and they gave him and they gave him the Chiron card, it just said, Bench Horse, a horse that can. And then there were like six ellipses, and it's a Bench? <laughs> oh my god. And a that, talking cat? And that's all you knew about Bench Horse. And then, you know, regular things happened. Skip Rathbone, the the half-cyborg, half-human, evil game show host, uh, was was trying to take over the inside of Mother Worm. But he's too much of a coward to wrestle for himself, so he brought in uh, the mighty mitochondria, the powerhouse of the cell, oh to God. fight on his behalf. All right. Uh, there was... Uh, I wouldn't want to face that. Mitochondria are insane. There was a great... Uh, title tag team match uh, between the Platinum Partners, uh, Party World Wrestling's first 100% queer, 100% forest nymph tag team. Uh, and then they uh, they made a video of them destroying a toilet with a sledgehammer to promote the event. Uh, and then they uh, fought against the, gar- the Dumpster Babes, uh, which is a uh, married tag team whose primary uh, concern about the Platinum Partners was they did not understand how you could be a tag team wrestling duo without being married. <laughs> and then they had never heard of such a thing. That, that's pretty funny. And uh, the Platinum Partners were followed up by like Westboro Baptist Church oh style gosh. protesters. A protest sign ended up being like ripped apart and turned into a cross and someone was crucified. Uh, a lot happened that sounds oh, insane my favorite chiron is there's a there's a dr trauma and dr trauma's chiron said misread the hippocratic oath as a do mo harm <laughs> oh my god uh and that was uh, against gary the goat and gary the goat lost one of his horns after the match um, and this isn't even t- touching on like the the age-old battle between the now evil and possessed by the fetid necro belt dock master and his fight against longtime rival dan the fucking worst the man all of these are 100% the best wrestlers I've ever heard it's, of. It was all so good. I don't know how many people listen to this live in Austin, but I cannot recommend this hot, sweaty, weird event enough. It sounds amazing, and it sounds like... 
a lot of people know about it. Oh, did I tell you that the biggest match of the night was against Big Daddy Bolero, who is from Highland Park, Texas, uh, who is like a very traditional kind of wrestler. And uh, he was against the the party weight champion, Pugginhead. Uh, Pugginhead is a child with the heart of a full-grown man, who is a... <laughs> Pugginhead is a child with the heart of a full-grown man. And the, he you can tell he's a child because he's a really shitty child-shaped puppet that's on a wrestler's hand as he, like, controls. Oh, my God. And the guy who controls him, his whole thing is he only speaks Spanish, so he can't possibly be... He can't possibly be Pugginhead. <laughs> because Pugginhead speaks... Because Pugginhead is a man... Is a boy with the heart well, of a real adult man. Speaks English. Yeah, so uh, Pugginhead's chant, which would come up from the crowd to egg him on, is... He's a real boy. What? He's a real boy. What the hell? It... Oh it was God. so it was so good. I cannot recommend it enough. I feel like if you're going to do a wrestling show and you're not, you know, what WWE or whatever it's called or AEW, yeah, all any of those like the the profesh to death ones, you got to go as bizarre <laughs> and as crazy as possible cuz otherwise it's like you're just imitating what's already there and maybe you're working on your finesse and your skills, but I I feel like the storylines that's what we, we, we've seen in media about wrestling. Yeah. Like in uh, your... your um, What's that one Spanish one? Lucha Libre one? Oh, Lucha Underground. Lucha Underground. Glow, the mm-hmm. uh, the Netflix series. And, of course, Lucha Libre, the cartoon that I watched growing up. Yes, of course. It's the storylines that we see in media that, that keep us coming back. And the wrestling is impressive. Yeah, but it's not the focus. Where I feel like in WWE, there's more and more focus on physicality, mm-hmm. bigger moves, and wrestlers can only wrestle for about like five minutes at a time because they're fucking huge. They're fucking huge and old. Uh, no, I, I do believe that like good technical wrestling is so impressive. Yeah, uh, but if you have something where you understand that, because Party World Wrestling is. And I say this, uh, this is a lie, what I'm about to say. Party World Wrestling is a comedic event. A lot of people there, uh, not super trained wrestlers. The actual truth of it is that Party World Wrestling is the foremost wrestling federation in the world. That's true. All hail Mother Worm. Yes. And all of these people are athletes at the peak of their physical, mental, and spiritual conditioning. Even that game show robot. Even, especially the... He, surprisingly athletic. Like, when people did stuff on stage... That was like real wrestling stuff. Your mind was blown because these are comedians. That's great. There is a significant, and I mean like visible overlap between the uh, comedy slash improv community and the party world wrestling community. Like people I know as improvisers were wrestling. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so it's definitely it's it's definitely a thing. No, I was not wrestling. No, I'm just saying, one of these days. One of these days. Train. I have an idea for a wrestling persona. Choo-choo. Uh, that's I'm just a really caring dad. <laughs> Care dad. Yeah, I come out to like a like a Sturgill Simpson song about like his firstborn son or something. My catchphrase is, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> he just pointed at the crowd, I'm so proud of you. Yeah, that's all. That's amazing. But no, that's Party World Wrestling. That's all I have to say. I could talk about it for the entire podcast because it was a magical, magical night. 
Man, I, I'm really glad we're starting out this podcast with Sports Corner. Uh, and other news tonight, the Women's World Cup team played their next match this past Sunday. And it, boy, was it a blowout. Was it? It was. I mean, it was a blowout, obviously, on the USA's part. So, you know, you know, their previous match was, was against Thailand, and they won 13-0. to Yes, which is... I don't want to put this in perspective in- for insane. anyone who, who listens to this that doesn't watch soccer slash football. That's an unbelievable... <laughs> that doesn't happen. Imagine if, like, a hockey game ended... Uh, well, that's not real... Uh, hockey is just ice soccer... Uh, um, imagine a baseball game got to, like, triple digits. Yeah, imagine a football game that ended 2,000 to zero. So, another thing that doesn't happen on the world stage, the World Cup, the foremost and biggest soccer event of, of, of soccer, Uh uh-huh, another thing that doesn't happen is you don't bench all of your starters, Uh uh-huh, for your second game. That would make sense. We did. The oh, no. U.S. benched every starter we have, all 11 of them, Why? and played the second string against Chile. Uh-huh. We won 3-0. Okay. That's... <laughs> okay, so I feel like for the 13-0, I know that, uh, I know that soccer doesn't have, like, a mercy rule. <laughs> no, there isn't. Uh, and it's encouraged not to do that, because yeah. I, I believe the ethos of professional soccer is, if you can score, score. Yes. Uh, Especially in soccer, where scoring is so rare, because... You know, both teams yeah. kind of understand this is why people watch. But I, I know that there were a few World Cup games where I was like, why can't they, like, take it easy on these people? And apparently, like, in the culture of soccer, it's considered insulting to take it easy on people. In the World Cup especially, in a lot of tournament stages, you have what is a, a, a separate statistic mm-hmm. besides wins, losses, ties. You have goal differential. Yeah. And that's how by how much did you win, and that is the tiebreaker. Which is why you try to set like huge goal differentials like against teams that are relatively easy to beat. Yes. Because Be- that'll help you out maybe later on in the tournament. Like if you watch the World Cup and you don't know why a team advanced, it's because they they racked up a huge goal differential. Yes. But never has it been done that you bench all of your starters, play all of your second string. And still win in another shutout. Is this like when Piccolo fights with his weighted clothing on? This is exactly like Piccolo putting more weighted clothing on and beating his opponent without them landing a single punch. Is this like when Rock Lee puts the weight things on his wrists? And, I don't watch And, and all of these anime examples, it's usually they take them off. And then this would be them yeah. putting more on. Okay. Or, or actually like getting their younger brother to fight you because oh, you and they still whoop your 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 anime butt yeah because apparently we're just that dominant in our group i uh that's amazing good on the women's the usa women's team now in soccer related news i do have a little bit of fam interaction what our good friend jeff who we make fun of every episode uh-huh fuck jeff Texted me personally because we are friends. <laughs> and anyone who listens to this podcast can do the same. <laughs> no. Okay, whatever. We'll put my number up on the screen. Ha, there is no screen. Uh, we'll put up on the Chiron. So he yesterday at 4.16 p.m., mm-hmm. he texted me, you guys talking about soccer is triggering me. And I responded, 
S-O-C-C-E-R uh-huh. with a space in between because vaporwave is life. Yeah. And then I, and then I, I sent, what did we get wrong? And he sent, we couldn't remember the name of the U.S. goalkeeper. Who oh, kept, you mean Brian Wilson, the lead singer of the Beach Boys? And so he sent the correction. It turns out it was Todd Howard, lead game developer at Bethesda. <laughs> oh. He was the goalie. And it was against Belgium, not Germany. Oh, you're right. I, Todd Howard. Todd Howard. Creator the, of Terminator 2, the video game. Yes, the, the lead developer at Bethesda Studios, uh, maker of such games such as Oblivion, Fallout Skyrim, 76, Fallout 76, Fallout Shelter. And the U.S. goalkeeping that he does is, is phenomenal. Um, he said, I don't know, I already forgot what was triggering me in addition and so I said, gotcha, we'll credit Todd Howard in this week's episode to correct that. He then said, also, Hope Solo has been canceled. To which I said, wow, Star Wars fans will be devastated. And then he said, also, jingoism is the best thing about international soccer. Uh-huh. And I sent, this Banjo-Kazooie news is really taking off. Didn't even know the World Cup knew about Jinjos. <laughs> okay, pretty good exchange. Pretty yeah, good. So. You you got a you got a good uh, a couple good jabs, maybe a hook in there. Uh, jingoism is the best part. So is that so? There are five Jinjos in every level. Yeah, and if you collect all of them in the final battle against Gruntilda, uh-huh. you can summon the Mega Jinjo to end the game. He destroys her. You you have to like use it in terms that uh, that I would understand. Like, what's the name of the mask guy from Crash Bandicoot? <laughs> Oh, the little Tiki Man? Yeah. I have no idea. I never played those games. Okay, you collect him, right? Aku Aku? Aku Aku, yeah, that sounds right. How did I know that? Uh, That sounds right. Uh, Yeah, Jingoism, I love hating on other countries. Is Jingoism, is that like when you don't like another country because they're bad at soccer? Yeah, so it's like uh, it's like nationalism. How nationalism has like a, a undue amount of pride in where you're from. Is this an undue amount of hate due yeah. to where other people are from? Exactly. That's sad. I love it. Wait, I was not in sync. The rest of this podcast will be a nightmare. Oh man, remember when we recorded over Skype? We could have just opened beers to do the audio cue. Oh man, we didn't drink when we did this over Skype. We were trying to take it more seriously. We had we had a whole segment called the break. Oh, I remember the break when we used to get musical guests. Ha <laughs> That was such a professional time in our lives. It was. It lasted for a couple weeks. So the U.S. women's national team, everyone, keep watching this this World Cup. Keep keeping track because it seems like we are on a pretty steady. Rocket to the top. I don't know if there's a third string. I'm going to say there's not because that would be 33 girls that the U.S. has to send over. What they do is for the next game, they bench everyone and they field a dog. (laughs) (laughs) They feel... Airbud. Yeah, they they feel the, the It has to be the, the female equivalent yeah. of Airbud. Yeah, the, the female equivalent of soccer Airbud. If we were like Zoo Crew Radio host, I would have a perfect name for that dog, but I'm not gonna say it because we're not Zoo Crew Radio hosts. Discretion is the better part of valor. Now I'm glad that you continued Sports Corner. 
Because I actually have a little bit of sports news myself. That's pretty amazing. That's This is great. It, I, I, I'm glad that just in this first little slice of the podcast, we're going to do Sports Corner and then we're going to move on to something else. Yeah, we're going to do Sports Corner followed by Sports Corner. Well, no, this is all just the same first yeah. segment. Sports and then Corner. after Sports Corner, of course, we'll move on to something else. So in sports news, I don't know if you've been following it lately. Oh, I have. Uh, but... Uh, <laughs> Here's the thing about sports. I'll just read the headline to you. Everyone's been following this pretty closely. News broke three days ago. Now, you know Dwight Howard? Dwight Howard. Is he... Actually, wait, hold on. I know who that is. That is the guy from The Office who Jim hates. So Dwight Howard is a basketball player. I was close. And uh, this line uh, is... Elon Musk doesn't learn, posts uncredited artwork from near Automata, deletes tweet, quits Twitter. Yes, I actually, I heard about this. Um, he posted, I don't need to credit anybody because I'm rich, bitch. So uh, essentially what Elon Musk did in like a, a, a giga chef kiss move. Uh, he, <laughs> wait, hold on. In the lore of, of international... Ethnicity chefs is Giga Chef like the kaiju version of the chef? So have you ever played Asura's Wrath? Oh, is that the one with Ashura? It is. Uh, so in Asura's Wrath, there's a character that's bigger than the Earth, and he like looms over and goes her her her. He's Giga. but imagine a chef doing yeah. that, and, and and as he does the kiss, his hand like brushing the atmosphere makes it glow red and creates like a sonic boom. That's a Giga Chef kiss. Gotcha. Wow. Uh, so this Elon Musk news is a Giga Chef kiss. Let me walk you through the timeline. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase from the article. It's a Kotaku article written by Luke Plunkett. Uh, the tech billionaire, who has over 27 million followers on Twitter, posted the art over the weekend. The art being this picture. Uh, of it's a the, very well done picture. It's very good. Of the main character of Near Automata, 2B. 2B. And he posted the art of the weekend with a caption that just said, 2B. Uh, with no link or even mention of where it came from. He then added a follow-up tweet. <laughs> he then added a follow-up tweet. He then added a follow-up tweet that read... Would be period 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 to make real <laughs> WDB ellipsis two make real. Now Elon Musk has been doing something very weird with his Twitter and that he's just shit posting. He's he's like the king of shit posting on Twitter. Uh, I mean, I guess you can be the king of shitposting if people take you to the net every fucking single time you do it. Cause Elon like Musk, Dwight Howard. Yes, Dwight Howard. Takes him to the net. He does. Uh, so, Toto Nintendo S, at Toto Nintendo S, uh, replied, credit the artist, Elon, to which he responded, no. Yeah, I, I saw the tweet. That was just, N-O, no, like, just on its own. No. Uh, and then Elon Musk had another, like, total Elon Musk breakdown and said, I wish people would stop crediting artists on Twitter. When any fool can find out who the artist was in seconds, it's destroying the medium. The medium of Twitter? I guess. The medium of Twitter. The, the medium of Twitter. As, in, as, as he's saying Twitter is art. <laughs> he's, what? <laughs> he's saying that Twitter is, maybe it's ruining the medium of art in general. 
Uh, oh, you mean the medium of art where artwork is always credited to the artist? Uh, like, as a, as a standard fucking rule? So even though we have not shown the art on the podcast, I would like to officially credit the artist behind this, Melly Magali, uh, French Melly Magali, uh, at Magali, M-A-G-A-L-I-P-R-O-D on Twitter.com. You might need to spell that slower. M like Mike, A like Alpha, G like Golf, A like Alpha, L like Lima, I like India, P like Papa. You like India? I love India. <laughs> oh, wow. I love India. <laughs> All right, well, let, that fits over. Megan Magali? Uh, Melly Magali. Okay. Uh, said, oh my god, it's me, my account explodes, just thanks a lot for all protecting my art and for notifying me. And the best part of this, in parentheses, P.S. Elon, you're not cool for having credited me, sad face. <laughs> I mean, that seems like you're taking it kind of in stride. You're, you're, you're not, you're kind of putting Elon, you are putting Elon on, on blast, but kind of like in a joking way. You're yeah. not like scolding. It's a playful, it's more playful than it is serious. But it's also like, you know, thanks everyone for doing this for me, so I don't have to be the... Because if the artist is always the person bringing up, you know, credit the artist, it's like, oh, another artist begging for credit. Yeah. But in this case, the public was like, hey, no, cut this shit out, credit the artists. And the artist was like, thank you, finally. I mean, I believe that uh, if you if you reproduce and a tweet is a reproduction of someone's work, then you... Owe them credit, yeah. Especially if you have twenty-seven million followers and they have a couple thousand, like give them exposure, help them out. On that note, do you want to give credit to the people who sang our theme songs for the first two season? Oh, the uh, Japanese band Kimonos. Just, just to reiterate, I think we gave them credit in the past. But just to reiterate, the Japanese band the Kimonos. When you're starting a podcast, you do certain things. And one of those things is you find a song you really like, and you sample it and move it around, and you think it sounds like a really good intro to a podcast that's not going to go anywhere, and then you just keep making episodes, and you don't have time to come up with a new one. I, I, the, I mean, those sounds, that, that, that sound clip is still kind of in my brain, at least for the uh, Sportsman. It's very good. It's They're a really good band. Yeah, Kimonos is fantastic. They don't... I think they kind of stopped making stuff. Oh. Uh, because artists of us. credit. No, no, they didn't. <laughs> no, it was years and years before we started the podcast. Give artists credit. But then they called them out. They called Elon out for another thing. Or something. The reason why he deleted the tweet was, was because, like, in an interview or something, he got mad because someone didn't credit him for something. And people posted that en masse. And that's oh, the that's, reason he deleted everything. That's entirely possible. The article does not get into that, but this oh. is not the first time Elon Musk has been in hot water for posting uncredited work. He uh, he posted a picture, like a he posted a picture of like a farting unicorn following a car. It was like a children's drawing, uh, but that was plagiarized by someone who had that printed on mugs and was the owner of the original drawing. Uh, Elon Musk apparently ended up settling for them for probably quite a lot of money. I bet. Uh, so that was a mistake that cost him. Elon Musk credit people. He's kind of a bad person. Well, I, I'm putting together slowly. Just because Elon Musk had one good idea and a father who owned an emerald mine <laughs> doesn't mean he deserves any credit. Wait, what? <laughs> Elon credit Musk. your artist. <laughs> okay, wait. Elon's my artist. I would like to credit Elon Musk for the dunks we have delivered upon him uh, for posting. Uh, fan Here's the thing: 
You ever play Nier? I have seen Nier played. Uh, Nier and Nier Automata are... Automata. Automata. Automatopoeia. Uh, are amazing games. And the um, the great thing about all of this is that the central core theme of Nier and Nier Automata is self-awareness. And the fact that uh, this happened, him reposting fan art about something about being self-aware, and this happened, just great. Just great stuff. I mean, you're the CEO of a stupid company that makes flamethrowers and electric cars, which I'm not going to knock the electric cars because the world is burning. Uh-huh. But, like, you're the CEO... You're, you're, presumably, you've got shit to do during your day. Uh, apparently not. Why are you on Twitter posting fan art of someone else's of a game I doubt you've played? I mean, I, I hope he's played it, but he probably hasn't. He probably just, like, watched a Let's Play. I mean, if you take offense, Elon, when you listen to this, I hope you take offense with me calling you out for not having played Nier Automata, and then you prove me wrong by making your own Let's Play series of you playing through the game in, if, in its entirety. If what comes All of eight the, endings. If what comes of this is Elon Musk create a Let's Play series of Nier Automata, I won't watch it because I don't like listening to his voice. But that would be a... God... That would that would so perfectly be the universe collapsing in on itself. I couldn't help but cheer. I mean, the universe is already kind of collapsing in on itself, and at least when it comes to people's decisions and actions these days. Th- this is unrelated to my next content, but have you heard about the Justin Bieber, Tom Cruise, not even spat? Is it the one where Justin Bieber wants to fight Tom Cruise? He wants or to fight Tom Cruise. Like a sixty-year-old man. Yeah, it's it's really uh, it's funny to me that he wants to fight Tom Cruise, a sixty-year-old man who, make no mistake, would body Justin Bieber. Look, look, Tom Cruise may be a horrible person, but does his own stunts is in physical peak shape. Like is basically who he is in movies. Like. They're, they're, you know, movies are, of course, magic, and, and there's some falseness. But Tom Cruise regularly, like, holds on to the size of helicopters and does his own stunts. I'm pretty sure he could handle a 28-year-old, I don't, I don't know how old Justin Bieber is, but, like, a 28-year-old, like, musician. Yeah, I, I think that uh, Tom Cruise has a, a retinue of people around him at all times, supplying him with, like, fresh blood and peaches to, like, keeping him, keep him in peak physical shape. Justin Bieber wouldn't have a hope. No. He would be destroyed. There's a joke in Silicon Valley where, like, the CEO of the Google equivalent has a young, um, a young man that he employs because he gets regular blood transfusions from him because he believes that's going to make him healthier in the long run. I'm pretty sure Scientology has hooked up. You know that's not a joke, right? That's a thing? Yeah, blood transfusions. Peter Thiel, a bunch of people in yeah. Silicon Valley. Well, I'm saying in yeah. the show Silicon Valley, in the Valley, show, there it's is a joke. a joke. Yeah, but it, I mean it, that doesn't surprise me because I think that's a Judd Apatow or I want Mike Judge. It's a Mike Judge, and I'm pretty sure a lot of his humor is like taken from real life stuff. Yeah, I want that young blood. Oh, I like that song by Five Seconds of Summer, Australians' premier boy band. How did you know that? What? That's the first time you've known anything about music on this podcast ever. I, I like that song. Okay. I did not realize. 
Uh, they should fight someone. They should invite... Young Bl- Wait, not Young Blood. Five Seconds of Summer? Five Seconds of Summer should fight someone. They would win. How many people are in that band? I don't know. They need to fight four people. <laughs> Alright, so I'm glad that we started this podcast with Sports Corner, and I, I'm, I'm worried it's starting to drag on a little bit, but I've got some good news. I've got another sports-related uh, topic to talk about. Hey, sports. And uh, to start this uh this segment off, I just want to ask you, John, um, when's the last time you got your gambling freak on? Oh, when's the last time I got my gambling freak on? Yeah, when'd you get your gambling freak on? Oh, it's been quite some time. I'd say 12, maybe 14 hours ago. Yeah, for me, it's been like, um, however long it was between season one of Kakaguri and season two of Kakaguri that just came out on Netflix like today. Okay. The, uh, I've already I... watched half of the season. Okay. Is it good? Here's the thing about Kakaguri. I, uh, I, here's, the, here's <laughs> my thing about Kakaguri. My girlfriend watched it and liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was not in the room most of the time. A lot of the time I was concerned, not concerned, because... We're cool. I was convinced, rather, that she was just watching straight up hentai. I mean, you're not completely wrong. So, I'm going to put this in terms that you will understand. So, Grappler Baki... Yes, please. ...is a show about muscly men killing each other uh-huh. in the most manly, muscly ways possible. Yes. Kakaguri... Is about young high school girls uh-huh. defeating each other in gambling games. Oh, much like how Baki involves defeat. In the most autoerotic ways possible. Okay. That's it. <laughs> I think I think that both of these things take uh they, they take a certain activity, one, fighting, the other, gambling, two, like, non-moral, like, two, two pretty, like, basic concepts, and both of them deliver it in a real tight, awfully erotic and uncomfortable package. Very much so. To the point where it's like, I'm not even sure who the target demographic is. I, I cannot say for Baki or for Kakaguri... Who is supposed to be watching this? I can only say this for Baki because of my love of Baki. I think that the uh, target demographic for Baki is the creator of Baki. <laughs> Similarly, I think Kakaguri is for the creator of Kakaguri. Do we think that we need to do like a cultural exchange program? I watch some Kakaguri, you watch some Baki? I mean, I've already watched half of the first season of Baki. Oh, how far did you get? I've gotten to the point. Oh, this is what this was a little while ago. I've gotten to the point where they almost defeated the that bastard, the the guy who uses a bunch of like items to fight. Oh, Dorian, the uh, beard guy. Beard guy. Yeah. They almost defeated him, but then he ran away. But then Sunshine Man, I don't know any of the names, uh-huh. followed him to his underground lair, and and, and then uh, oh, item did guy. Did you get to the song? Not yet. You are one episode away from the best episode of that season. Yeah, the, the item guy was just like, oh, now I'm going to play for real. He's like, <laughs> I like that his version of powering up is just using a fuck ton <laughs> more of items. Like, and their whole thing, the whole thing, that, that, entire, that entire fight was a philosophical debate about bringing items to a fight 
versus you being the weapon. Yes. And like seemingly no one learned anything. I think the 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 I think the root core theme of Baki is that no one learns. I think that is absolutely accurate. Uh, no, you absolutely need to watch the next episode, because if you haven't gotten to the singing, you haven't seen shit, but also tell you, uh, Mr. Dorian is the best part of that season, so... I don't like him. No, he's awful. He's the worst. But, oh my god, he's the best. There's a recent trend... That I've I've started to pick up, and maybe I'm more sensitive sensitive to it now, of just like things with lasting consequences in the real world, meaning just like nothing and media. Yeah. So in Baki, a guy gets his hand cut off. Uh huh. And like this is this is a show rooted loosely in reality, uh-huh. but up uh, but like there's no magic, there's no fantasy bullshit. It, it's all. Every like martial arts to the extreme, so that hand can never come back, and yet the guy who loses the hand ends up being happy because it means he can punch as hard as he wants to because his fingers won't get in the way. Uh huh. That fucking messes me up. I don't. Under, I don't understand that. What I what I really like about Baki and something that you can take away from it is that consistently the characters will have awful things done to them and they will always turn it to their advantage ever since i i watched the entirety of the netflix adaptation of devil man cry baby things that have fatality to them strike me in a different way uh yeah devil man cry baby i still have nightmares about devil man cry baby legitimately um do not recommend but <laughs> I think it might also be like an aging thing. Like, I'm getting older. My body is about to get to the part where it is not as good as at replicating the cells that it loses. And I'm getting to a point in media where, like, if something if something dark happens to a character, it, like, hurts me in a way it didn't used to. Yeah. Because I feel like, and this is something that I worry about recently having turned 30... Uh, oh, congratulations, by the way. You're... Congratulations, Kanye, uh, for turning 30. Something that I think about now, and I thought about this a little bit while I was watching Game of Thrones, and I wanted to bring it up on the podcast because I think we talked briefly about the morbidity of cultural consciousness when it comes to things like Game of Thrones. Like, people, all people talk about is who will die, when will they die, how will they die. Uh, and I found that extremely dark. And I think that's rooted in a fear that I have that I can only enjoy so many fictional universes. And if I have an enjoyment of something and a character like dies, I used to be so into that stuff when I was younger. And now as I get older, I'm like, I just want my characters to be alive. Yeah. I, I want my characters to not lose hands and faces. Like I, I think my greatest fear in terms of media is that... I like dark things less and less, and I'm more kind of pine for things to end like Parks and Rec does, where every character has their happy ending. That's probably my greatest fear, because, like, I hate the happy end, like, the, the forced happy ending. Yeah. I, and, like, dark things, they are more real than not dark things. Dark things happen in the world, but it's like watching, there, there's a trailer out. For a, a new Amazon Prime series called The Boys. Uh-huh. Based on the graphic novel of the same name. Was that Garth Ennis? 
I'm not familiar Warren with the creator. Alice. I don't know. I'm not familiar with the creator, but it's like a very dark take on superheroes. Basically, if superheroes were not virtuistic, yeah. they're just assholes and corrupt like the rest of us. And the trailer features a man's head getting crushed by a woman who is riding his face. Uh-huh. A super speeding uh, superhero obliterating a woman while a man holds her arms and they're very happy because something happy happened to him. Uh-huh. And then he runs through her and kills her uh-huh. and goes, I can't stop. I need to keep going while he's holding disembodied hands. Oh, boy. And, like, the more, like, I get what that's doing. It's a twist on the genre. It's 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 purposefully dark. It, it's macabre for a reason. Mm-hmm. But seeing these things is affecting me in a new way where I'm just like, I don't want that. That is sick to me now. And I, I'm worried I'm going to I'm gonna be turning more and more into my dad. See, that's the concern is, like, you're, you do worry, and I have this worry, too, that we're eventually just going to become the people who watch NCIS. Yeah. Because it's like, there's Infinity episodes. These people get paid. Well, we know no one's going to die. There's going to be, like, a, a modicum of intrigue and interest that happen over time. But we just want things to end the same way as they began. And that is a, an instinct that I'm, like, actively fighting against. It's just, like, I guess... It is a demonstrable fact that your taste in storytelling changes as you grow older. Like, when you're a kid, it's see spot run, spot runs fast, you know? Basic facts, there's a dog, it's cute, it's chasing a ball. Yeah. And eventually you get to, like, Harry Potter, where death only comes in, like, the final chapters. And then you graduate to, like, Game of Thrones, where death is just a common a commonality of the world. Yeah. And somewhere in between that is the things like the boys or other dark things for the sake of being dark. But then you get to Tom Tom Hanks and the Da Vinci Code, where it's just like, I need things explained to me and there's yeah. no actual danger. Because the protagonist is a brainy man, not a brawny man like that. Sure, Thomas Cruise. I feel like maybe the... Maybe the thing that we have to do is we understand that the reason why we were excited by things being dark is because they were new. And we have to we have to like keep fighting and be like, I keep having to experience new experiences so that I can like internalize these like new emotions. So like Cormac McCarthy is one of my favorite authors. I'm um I'm among leagues of other unexceptional white dudes who could say the same. Uh, but hey, don't knock a good writer just because you happen to like him. Yeah, he's not a bad writer. No, I think Cormac McCarthy is a tremendously gifted writer. Okay, he really is. I think Blood Meridian is one of the most beautiful books ever written. Nice. Uh, it also includes like scalping babies and stuff. Like, okay, that's horrible. What are you uh, saying? It, it includes really awful, awful stuff. And I was trying to reread Blood Meridian, and I had never thought this. Because reading this in my 20s and my early teens, I was like, this is incredible. This is how it really is. Life is bad. At any given point, every human being, regardless of how virtuous they are, has a great monster living inside their heart. And the only thing that's separating you from that monster is like the barest like skin of thought. Like your, your barest level of consciousness exists over a great pit of darkness, which is true. And I do believe to be true, but 
I was reading it recently. I'm like, what a fucking bummer. Yeah. I don't want to read this. I want to go to Half Price Books by David Burns Bicycle Diaries where he makes milk toast NPR observations about public transit or riding a bike through Detroit. Like, that's what I want. Yeah. It, there was a time in my life where I was like, yeah, sure, I'll read the novelization of American Psycho knowing what happens in it and the, uh-huh. the gruesome, horrible things. And now today's like... I'll read John Hodgman's latest <laughs> memoir. I, I'm okay yeah. with that. Vacation Land is spectacular. It, yeah. It opened my eyes to be like, oh, you can just write shit. You don't have to... You can just, like, tell it how it is in a way that's not morbose. That's not a word. <laughs> it's that's like not morbid, morbid. Morbid plus verbose. Yeah. That's not... Yeah. Yeah, you can tell th- things how, how they are without being morbid, without yeah. being overly dark. And I think it's because we were discovering those things. Like, mm-hmm. oh, other people kind of are putting them to words how we see the world. The world is dark. It's full of blood and guts. And so Blood Meridian and American Psycho they, they spoke to us in that time. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is like now it's kind of old hat to us or, or we're just used to it. And it's hitting me in a new way where it's just like... That guy just lost his fucking hand. Yeah. If I lost one of my fucking hands, I would be sad. Do you think it has anything to do with the fact that as you grow older, you kind of inexorably experience more actual tragedy? Yeah. And for for me, I feel like going into things, being like relatively fresh-faced and not having to live with a lot of like great darkness in my life, being experienced, being... Able to have an experience where I could see the the face, or at least what I perceived to be the face of true darkness. I was excited, because I was like, my life doesn't have this in it. But, like, the older I get, really bad shit has happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> and sometimes I just don't want to experience bad shit, but I don't know how to strike a balance between not being okay with experiencing it sometimes, but also not running away from the fact that it's a totally valid way to tell a story. Yeah, I, it's very interesting, to say the least. Because I feel like when we liked seeing the dark, bad shit, we were younger, and there is, like, this feeling of invincibility that you feel when you're younger. Like, oh, man, I'm going to live forever. Yeah. And, and everyone always warns you, like, that feeling's going to wear off. Mm-hmm. I always thought it's because something happens to you specifically. Like, a doctor says, oh, hey, you know... Yeah, like you experience a medical thing or like yeah. a near-death experience. You always think it's going to be a close call that proves you wrong. No, no one ever warned me that that feeling just goes away on its own. Yeah, it's it's a gradual decay of that feeling of immortality. and like It's like the brain cells that held that invincibility thought can't regenerate as well anymore. And so now all that's left is the, the, the voice in my head that says... You're probably going to die earlier than you want to. Yeah, I, I think that is true. I think that we have this this drive within us. And granted, it, it's not a perfect analogy because human beings, one of the few animals, or at least mammals, that are born without the ability to walk. Uh, but I feel like we have that drive because we're supposed to be born and then we're just supposed to rage. Yeah. We're, we're just supposed to work and eat and kill and be productive. And we're supposed to use our, our most powerful hormone-filled earlier years to put in the most productive output possible. Which, in like a, a, a sense of like a 
like a genetic naturalistic way is like make babies kill people get food yeah uh, the viking way yeah maslow's hierarchy of needs uh, <laughs> in that order have you seen that picture that's maslow's hierarchy of needs but self-actualization has a has a little lock and it says premium content lock <laughs> no uh, that sounds pretty great it's pretty funny um but i feel like maybe that's what humans are like quote-unquote meant or programmed to do not to get like a naturalist fallacy but like at least in a biological way yeah. maybe in its most basic terms that's why we have the feeling of invincibility because we're like we cannot consider death for we have so much work to do yeah and now at the end of our lives to steal a john mulaney joke it just feels like everything's breaking down and we don't want to see a guy get his hand cut off with a a teflon carbon fiber <laughs> string there's, from a lighter there's so much real genuine bullshit in that show but back to kakaguri yes watch it Watch Kakaguri. Watch season two with your girlfriend. Be lost. It's It'll be great. It's just like me watching uh, Sabrina or Riverdale. Good shows in their own right, but I don't know what's going on. I mean, here's the thing about season two. They bring in all of the members, all of the representations of this clan who are all vying for the seat of power, the, the president of the student council seat. Because you see, the former president who, who gave up her seat consolidated all of the debt in the nation because her family controls all of the debt in the nation. So that makes her the most powerful person in the nation because she has all the debt of all the different families. She controls it. Uh And in this school, your, your rank, your status, is determined by how well you can gamble. And so to win... The seat of the presidency for the student council, the most powerful position in the nation, <laughs> you have to be, you have to go through a bunch of gambling games. They're, they're holding an election, but it's not one person, one vote. It's one vote per chip. Mm-hmm. So the more chips you have, the more votes you have. And to get chips, you got to gamble against other people. Which episode has knife monopoly in it? Oh, no. All of the games are made up and people... People can die in most no, of them. No, all of the games are made up, and they include, like, knives or poison or needles. Poison was in the most recent episode I watched, and it, it took out our, our protagonist. Can't remember her name. Don't know any of the names oh, in the show. Kakaguri? That's the name of the school. Oh. Kakaguri Academy. I just wish that anything in life made me as horny as gambling makes these anime teens. Oh my god. (laughs) It is insane. And like, it's not... Blatant is not strong enough to describe it. Yeah. It is... Like, muscles to Baki, horniness to Kakaguri is just there in your face. The thing about both Kakaguri and Baki is if you were in a different room listening to either of them, it would sound like you're watching a very different proceeding. Yes. Baki is a, a bunch of like flexing and squishing sounds and dudes going, ugh. My wife came home today and I was at the tail end. My wife came, came home today to see my <laughs> animes. <laughs> And I was on the tail end of a Kakaguri episode. <laughs> yes. And rather than pause it and explain what I was watching, I was in a different room looking for that laptop. Uh-huh. And what I heard was the door close and then high-pitched screams. <laughs> and I rushed 
to just <laughs> slam my hand on the keyboards, hoping one of them would just <laughs> in, like close out the window. Because uh-huh. rather than pause and explain, hi, I'm watching an anime in which you don't want to know, <laughs> yeah. I just thought, maybe she didn't hear it if I close out the window enough. I will be safe. You really didn't. You you handled that maybe the worst way because only a only a guilty man wears a rumpled suit to trial. You you did the behaviors of guilt. Mm-hmm. You should have come out and owned it. You should have come out like wa- like wiping a dish while it was happening. Like what's up? This is what I'm watching. This is what I'm watching. This is my thing now. I, this my my reaction. No matter what I'm doing. When my wife comes home, is to close everything I am doing, yeah, and pretend like I have just like appeared in the apartment <laughs> fresh, yeah, with a computer and TV still, you know, on, but on the desktop. Yeah. It's like, welcome home, wife. <laughs> I have been doing nothing. <laughs> I have remained in stasis <laughs> yes. until your arrival. <laughs> I don't know why that is. I it's a transition to living with a person from yeah. living by yourself where you never have to explain anything to anyone. I've lived together with someone now for about three years. Um, but before that, I was like solely a bachelor. I loved living alone. Oh, it was it, that was my favorite time. So the first year I spent living with someone, I was like, oh, I have to not be myself. And yeah. then after the first year, like, oh, we can just both be ourselves. I, I'm still getting to the point where it's like, when I'm alone, it's my time, but as soon as she walks through that door, it's us time. Uh-huh. And, and there is a sum of that. There is a sum of that. But also, like, I think gradually we'll transition to, I'm still doing, like, my thing. I'm like, oh, how is your day still doing my thing? Yeah. Yeah. You, the thing about me time versus us time is, it's like two floating circles. Sometimes they interact. And, yeah. And when they touch, that, like, dings up the us time. But you can absolutely do your own thing around someone else. That took me so long to be okay with. We're still getting to that point. Just, you know, we're new. And it's still like we're in the early months of our marriage, too. Mm-hmm. So it's not like, I don't want to. I don't understand that. Never will, man. Well, it's just like, we don't want to ignore each other because we just made this lifelong commitment to each other. Uh-huh. But at the same time, it's like, but I really want to play Cadence of Hyrule. This rhythm, Hyrule, this rhythm... No, Crypt of the Necrodancer for Zelda, I get it. It's, it's a, made by the same people, it looks really cool. But it's way different, it's not a roguelike. What? Yeah, you keep all your, you keep most of your progress. I don't know, all I care about is the Witcher 3 port. Looks worse, plays worse. Don't, don't get it. Yeah. Don't get it. I've already got on PC, I don't need this to. This is fucking Sports Corner, stop talking about shitty Sorry. video games. We're it's talking not- about Kagaguri. We need to stop talking about shitty video games like the entire Witcher franchise. Anyway, Kakaguri. I liked Witcher... Okay, I've played through Witcher 1 and 2. 2 wasn't bad. I know 2 is very good, and I've heard that 3 is good as well. I've played through half of 3, and then I realized... <sighs> I realized that the... The, the, my OTP, <laughs> Sports Corner, my one true pairing, uh-huh. I missed an event, and so I n- can't end up with her, and so it, now I just don't want to play anymore. Is it Morgana or whatever? No, it's Triss, the girl who's oh. been with me the entire series, not this- That's gotta be it though, right? Like, it is Geralt and Triss. Right? But like, I, I, I missed it one event- I missed an event, and now it's locked to me. Hey, man, you could live my life. You could go through Mass Effect 1, and then in Mass Effect 2, the only 
character that romantically made any sense, they completely write out of it for oh. DLC. It's fine. I played through uh, three games, Mass Effect 3, and then watched the girl I wanted to end up with throw herself off a cliff. Oh. And, uh... That fucking sucked. Yeah, I can imagine. I, that. I replayed the entirety of that game just to not get her to throw herself off a cliff. Man, Mass Effect's great. I really want to replay it. I really hope Bioware doesn't throw that sports corner away. Uh, so speaking of sports corner, yeah, I I know that we said that we are going to get to other news, and we will. Sports corner is a short segment. Yeah, you know, it's the shortest of segments. It really is. It's the shortest segment we've ever done. Uh, so, you know, have you ever heard of Dwight Howard? Oh, the famous basketball player who was Jim's least favorite person in the office? Uh, so he wears uh, basketball shoes. Okay. And uh, turns out that a, a Japanese, not Japanese, a Chinese sneaker company. Wow. Has put out a series of, uh, I'm going to try to use some parlance I don't typically use. Uh, some hype kicks that you can that you can uh, get to drip. You can wear them and get the drip. Don't hate the drip. What the fuck is the drip? You get the drip when you wear when you wear hype beastie clothes. You get the drip, and if people hate your drip, they don't get it. What's the drip? The drip is the drip. Is this a streetwear thing? Yeah, the drip is if you wear clothes that look bad but are expensive, that's a drip. I don't understand human beings. So, the Chinese sneaker company... (laughs) So, the Chinese! Unnamed, because I can't find the name in the article. Have you ever heard of a little something in Sports Corner called anime... You know, I, I have heard of sports anime like Kakaguri and Baki. <laughs> Kakaguri and Baki. Another famous sports anime, Gundam. Uh, this Chinese sneaker company has officially partnered. Gone are the days of the, of the fan called Gundam Colorway for Jordans. Now you have actual branded Gundam mid to high tops and they actually look pretty sick. Holy shit. Like they look pretty good, right? Holy shit. Let me try to find the name of the sneaker company. So they made two kind of uh, sets for these. They've made a a Federation and a Zeon uh, those, which those are the factions. Those and, the, and what, what is it? G Gundam? Those are the factions in every Gundam. Nuh-uh, not in, uh, Gundam, wait, I'm think. okay, what's the one with burning Gundam? That's G-Gundam. Alright, so not, so Gundam Wing. Gundam Wing, Because G-Gundam Gundam didn't have factions, it, it was countries. It did not, it had different countries. Yeah. A ja- Chinese company, 361 Degrees, has created some pretty sick kicks, and I gotta say, I really want... The the Shar Aznable Zaku ones, the red ones up top. Are those the little guys who explode? No, so uh, you know who Shar Aznable is? I never watched... My only Gundam I ever watched was G Gundam, and I only watched like three episodes. He's the antagonist. He, he pilots a red Zaku mech. Zaku is Japanese for Gundam. You're right. Uh, now, the interesting thing about these, you can get the drip... For a, a budget price. If you're willing to convert some money, you can get these for about $70. 70 US dollars? 70 US dollars. How many won is that? 399. Oh, okay. Is it won? 
Yuan? Yuan? Maybe. I don't know money, but these sneakers are sick. And I really want them. Well, I hope they get the medication they need. We are seriously entering a world, and this is very bad podcast content because most of this is visual. So I will describe to our listeners, we're entering a world where we, you and I, Henry, and all of our ilk, we've won the culture wars. Because we're now entering an era where people can dress like characters from 80s anime. Converse makes a shoe called the ERX. The ERX 260 had a collaboration with a Chinese designer whose first name is Fang. And they have these like off, these kind of light red kind of pinkish high tops that look like shoes that characters in like macross or dirty pear would wear just classic 80s anime shit it's so good you do know that taika waititi is making akira right i do know that yeah 80s anime is like chic right now i would be i'm excited I'm excited because I feel like Taika Waititi will either give it all the reverence or none of the reverence. I feel like Leonardo DiCaprio's in that. I don't know. Or he wa- he recently walked out of some project. Mm, 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 mm. What do you want? The Titanic. <laughs> Piece of shit. He walked out of the Titanic. Well, we have to wrap the episode up. Uh huh. But I just want one last sports corner update. Yeah, no, tr- trust us, we're going to get to normal stuff eventually. We just have to get through all the sports yeah. corner items. Just one last sports corner update. I just want to say, I think it's in four days' time. Uh, what is the. Evangelican? Evangelion. Evangelion. Or Evangelion. Evangelion. Or Evangelican. <laughs> or Pelicans. Uh-huh. It's gonna be on. Ne- it's gonna be on Netflix. The entire original series is this, gonna be on Netflix. This is the thing that I've seen the most hype about as far as like Netflix series because Evangelion uh, is. And this isn't a remake. No, the, the, we're hype about getting the original episodes from like 80, 90, early early nineties, late eighties, mid nineties, mid nine. I don't fucking know. Jonah Hill, mid nineties. What Jonah Hill? Made a movie called Mid-90s? I never heard of it. Is that uh, 1 BC with Michael Sarah? The Drip? It's called The Drip. <laughs> We're doing our dumb bits. Evangelicans is going to be on Netflix. Club Evangelicans. And I'm going to be at Neogenesis Evangelicans. Yes. It's going to be on Netflix, and I'll finally be able to watch this goddamn anime that everyone has... At- I was a Cowboy Bebop Trigon guy growing uh-huh. up. But everyone was like, oh, Evangelican is the best anime I've ever watched. I And I can finally experience it in all of its 1080p glory. I do feel like you missed out because I... I not missed out, but I do feel like you're you're missing a little bit of something because, like, the trifecta of the, the, like the great three mid to late 90s sci-fi animes was Cowboy Bebop, Trigun, and Evangelion. So, in the Triforce, which one was Wisdom? Uh, wisdom was Evangelion. So power. I got I got power and courage. Power was Trigon. Courage was Cowboy Bebop. Absolutely. Yeah. So I got those two, but I missed out on the you, wisdom. You missed wisdom. You didn't go to the wisdom shrine and shoot the scale off of Laneru, the cursed dragon. The cursed dragon. He became an evil man. Was I supposed to do that much later in the game than I did? No, I think you can. Any time you want to scale that one particular mountain, you can do it. I did it extremely early. I ate a lot of soups. 
Oh, to keep yourself warm? Yeah, I had a lot of warming soups. Listen, we are about to enter an age. At 30 is a very good year. Because. I'm only 28. 30 is a very good year for me. Let me have my moment. 30 is a very good year because we're entering an age where we will have Evangelion in its entirety on Netflix... Plus a remake of Final Fantasy VII. That remake looks really good. I never played the original, but I think I will actually play this remake. I would be so interested to check in with you regularly on, number one, your first watch of Evangelion. But also your effective first playthrough of Final Fantasy VII. Those things made 10 to 12-year-old me. Like Final Fantasy VII and VIII and Evangelion and Gundam. Like, we're the only things I consume. So, you know how everyone who is older than us says, oh yeah, things go in cycles, like Mm -hmm. things come back around? Things have finally come back around for you. Uh, You know what's honestly really sad and terrifying to me? Yeah. I'm realizing now that I've existed, and you've existed long enough, that we're starting to see these things come back and people get really excited for it. And kids probably don't give a shit no, because don't. this is like a G.I. Joe or a Transformers or a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles thing coming out like 20 years after it was popular. To me, this is something that I, I'm experiencing for the first time because I used to be like very disdainful of like older people being like, oh, there's a new Little Rascals movie or whatever. That's a, a very extreme example because yeah. Little Rascals is like, I don't know, made for like racists. It's not. It wasn't. It wasn't. I kind of caught that remake <laughs> tail end. But I mean, I, I think I, that like seeing, knowing that fucking Detective Pikachu, like all this shit. That's for us. All this shit yeah. that's like awakening all the like acid in my spine from 20 years ago. That All the remakes that I made fun of as a kid for people who are older than me. Why the hell are they remaking Green Hornet? Yeah. Yeah. It's it's all that shit. It's all the shit that I made fun of. And that's my demo now. Yep. We, but we but become, also love it. Like, I genuinely do love it. Culture ha- shapes us. And we will eventually become that which we made fun of. It's the cycle. It's the zeitgeist. In a weird way. The zeitgeist is not supposed to judge. It's just like a reflection of culture. Yeah. But culture is an inherently kind of judgy of the things it doesn't get. We're being cycled out. We're being appeased so we can be cycled out. Yeah, we're being appeased so that the Lebensron can be taken from us. <laughs> yes. What? So Lebensron was a, a concept that Hitler used oh godwin's law when he, when he annexed the rhineland uh-huh. which is a very iron rich portion of france don't you try to fucking explain the rhineland to me but Lebensraum, which was explained to me as elbow room but literally means living room uh-huh. room to live was the explanation we just need a little more room oh, to no. live and appeasement is what the European countries did to Hitler. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is, the youth are Hitler and they're going to kill us. Oh no, the Hitler youth? (laughs) The Hitler youth is coming for us. That's probably the smartest I've been on this podcast because I don't know about you, 
but I got a five on the American AP test, American history AP test. It's my proudest achievement in life. I uh, served with the Noctexan. Uh, so I feel like... So, uh, look, John, What? A, look, I think it's finally time to end Sports Corner. I think we should get into our regularly scheduled content. Sports Corner, very brief, very fast segment. Yeah. But now let's get into the rest of the episode. Yeah, so I've, I brought a little bit of a segment. Okay, cool. Uh, so num- so I think it's been on everyone's mind. We'll probably talk about it for the rest of the episode. Uh, fuck Mitch McConnell. So anyway, if you want to reach out to us on Twitter, uh, you can do so at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. You can send us your thoughts. Send us your bots. But under no circumstances should you send us your THOT thoughts. I think it's the weakest thing in the world that we came up with THOTS and we pronounce it as thoughts. We should say thoughts. I thought it was tots. Or Silent H. No. Tots are uh, good children in the. Or fried potatoes. Uh, you know what I didn't do there? I didn't throw it to you for what the ZCPC WHJ stands for. And you know why? Why? Because this is the episode where we're mixing it up. We're mixing it up! If you want to send us an email, you can do so at zero credits is a podcast at gmail.com, and that stands for Henry. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I've always wanted to make that joke. You have no idea how many times I've wanted to make that joke. And you just did it to me. I am not participating. I am protesting. Please send us an email. It's the only way little codgers like us communicate. Give me the Pokemon. Give me the Cloud Strife. I used to like anime. I don't smoke Jewel. Of course, we are on Spotify. You can find us on the Spotify podcast. I guess people use that by searching for zero credit open parentheses S close parentheses on Spotify podcasts. Spotify podcasts. We are on Facebook. Search for zero credits podcast on the Facebook search bar. We don't post. You can also find us on Apple podcasts because uh, iTunes does not host podcasts exactly anymore. Uh, leave us, this is so important. If you find us on Apple Podcasts, number one, no matter what occurs, stay alive. But also, like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> you can't subscribe, I don't... Leave us a rating. Leave you us a five. can absolutely subscribe. Subscribe. Leave us like I imagine Jeff did a five. I hope he did. He said he told me he wrote a review, but I have yet to see it. Jeff is review bombing us, and we will not stand for it. Only verified purchasers of the Zero Credits podcast will be allowed to review in the future. Fuck you, Epic Games Store. <laughs> I know that we said that Apple Podcasts is important, but most importantly, word of the mouth is the only way that we can survive. So if you tell one friend and they tell one friend and they tell one friend and that friend, then in turn creates some kind of religious or pan-religious organization, let's say loosely based around the tenets that we preach in our podcast, love your fellow man, uh, get horny from gambling and fight muscular men, and then maybe everyone on Earth starts listening to the podcast. It's a real cult of ISIS situation. 
the cult of Isis. The Egyptian religion. Yeah, so the ancient Greeks, they uh, they were taken by the cult of Isis, these cult religions, because they promised life after death, which for the most part the Greek pantheon didn't really offer, which really gives us the roots of like modern like Christian belief systems, and most of the most popular ones promise some life after death, because everyone's greatest fear is death then everyone would be listening to Zero Credits here and in the hereafter. And moving on to our next segment, uh, everyone here in the Zero Credits studios, studio apartment, apartment studios, too bad, too bad, cricket-filled, tons of spiders, <laughs> studios. We want to wish you a very happy week, except for Jeff. Uh, can I move on to the next segment? I didn't want to, like, step on your toes. Look, I know you don't want to step on my toes, but the thing about this segment is it's over, and so now your segment can begin. Okay, so I can start my segment now. Bye! Goodbye! I just want to introduce one more segment. <laughs> you hit the table when you're trying to give me the finger, you fucking idiot.